Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 14, Make a Friend of Change. So much for doing a weekly podcast, huh? The last one was June 30th, and it is August 20th. I'm really sorry about that. I have had a couple of things bombard me in the meantime. One of them was equipment failure, which took a while to get straightened out. And then I got sick. That was not fun. I couldn't do much of anything for a couple of weeks. And I am still trying to get things done around my house. And I have found that process to be a very difficult one. I can't believe that anybody could really feel like the economy isn't doing well because everybody is busy. So how can it be bad? (laughs) I don't get it. The unemployment numbers are at record lows in several states. I heard, I think it was yesterday, that there are several states where unemployment is less than 3%, lower than it's ever been in those areas. So people are working. Inflation is still uh, an issue, but the price of gas has been coming down for two months. I think I read 67 days in a row the price of gas has gone down. But that's capitalism, folks. There's, there hasn't been any reason for the price of gas to be as high as it's been. When the oil companies are paying the same amount for a barrel of oil that they were previously, but the price of gas at the pump is significantly higher than it was at the same time uh, that they were paying the same price for that barrel of oil. That's price gouging, folks. Those are your corporate America buddies who have purchased your elected politicians. And your elected politicians are letting them get away with it. And taxpayers are subsidizing the fossil fuels industry with, well, welfare to the tune of millions of dollars a year. So vote accordingly, folks. That is the only way you're going to change any of this. You've got to get the corporate people out of office. But uh, I've had uh, to do some uh, tree trimming in my backyard. I have a pretty large property, and it's kind of like a park setting. There's a lot of mature trees, and my uh, power lines are above ground. When the neighborhood was built, they did not bury the lines for whatever reason, probably because it saved money for the corporation that did it. (laughs) And the trees had uh, limbs that were kind of getting a little too close to the power lines. And I thought if we had a windstorm or something like that, which is not uncommon in my area, that uh, I could uh, possibly have the power lines knocked down. So I called uh, tree trimmers to come out and uh, I wanted someone who knew what the heck they were doing. So I uh, had an arborist come out and uh, they had it on their list as ASAP and it took them a month. (laughs) So that's just how busy they are. And uh, same thing with, uh, uh, I've got a guy that uh, fixes my sprinkler system, irrigation guy, and uh, three weeks for him to come out and he 
needed to do some more work and uh, I haven't seen him since but he's I've talked to him and he says I'll get over there as soon as I can and I think it's now been two weeks since I've talked to him for the last time so people are busy companies are busy they they have work and in the meantime, since June 30th, quite a bit has happened, and I will do another podcast soon, I hope, I'm this coming week, to kind of catch up on some things. I uh, was ready to do a podcast about Justice Kavanaugh, because he has a kind of a sketchy history, if you're not familiar with him. And the process by which he was inserted on the Supreme Court is pretty sketchy also. And I hope to get back to that and get that one uh, published as well soon. But I thought I would talk about change in this podcast Because other than death and taxes, well, unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire in the United States, change is the only thing that we can truly count on in our lives. Death, taxes, if you're not a billionaire, and change. And I feel like a lot of people today are very ill at ease. A lot of people are right on the edge. They're very angry. They're very scared, I think. Very frightened. Very unsure of what is going on in the world. What's going to happen. And people generally do not like change. There's usually a fear of the unknown. There's usually a little bit of hesitation to go forward with something new and different because you don't know for certain that it's going to turn out to be a good thing. And I thought I would share a, an experience that uh, I had years ago. I used to work for a property developer that also had a management arm in their organization. At one time, it was one of the largest, we were one of the largest developers and property management companies in the nation. And we did multifamily housing, which is apartments, as well as high-rise office buildings, shopping centers, strip centers, uh, mid-rise office buildings, office parks, and uh, we would retain ownership on some of them and operate them and manage them after they were built. And on others, we would do what we called fee management, which was taking a property that was owned by an investor or a bank or whatever, and uh, manage it for them so that they didn't have to worry about the daily operations of the property. And we would take a percentage of the rental income as a fee. And at the time, I worked in the city where the headquarters for the company was located. And we had a lot of properties in the city at that time. As a matter of fact, I think we had more properties than anyone else did. And our properties ran the gamut from brand new stuff that was state-of-the-art at the time to older properties. And I was in the residential section of the company, which was mostly apartment communities, but I did have some commercial from time to time as well. And when you're dealing with an apartment community that was built 
like in the, oh, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s, and trying to compare it with something that was built, uh, like, let's say, for instance, the late 80s, there's a big difference. The communities that were built in the early 70s that we had generally were nice apartments. We didn't have anything that was really... Mm, we didn't really operate anything that was like a slum. It, they were generally uh, well-tended, maintained, landscaping was kept up, painting was generally kept up. Some of them had more amenities than others. The old ones generally would have like dishwasher in the apartment, uh, garbage disposal, and you could control your own uh, heating and air conditioning, although it might have been on a central system where if the property management had the heat on, you could not have air conditioning if it got hot during the day. And the law required us to provide heat if the temperature was going to drop below a certain degree uh, in the next 24 hours or whatever. So we had to always default toward heat and where I lived a lot of times in the spring and the fall, it would get hot enough during the daytime that people wanted air conditioning and you couldn't give it to them because you had to provide heat that night and it switching back and forth was uh, kind of a timely process. But we had leasing agents that would move around from one property to another depending on staffing needs and we would hire new leasing agents and they would be assigned to work with people that were good at training. And sometimes you would go from an old property to a newer one, which was considered a, well, wasn't really a promotion. It was just considered to be uh, an indication that you were doing a good job, that you were an effective person. But if you went from a newer property that was small to an older property that was big, that was also considered to be an indication that you were doing really well. Bigger properties are busier generally, and uh, you have to have good people who can work on their own without a ton of supervision. But the newer properties are the ones that were advertised and were the ones that usually got the most attention. So it was always nicer to be on a new property. And the new properties were the ones that were loaded up with amenities. So when you have covered assigned parking and limited access gates to get in and out of the property and every apartment has a fireplace and a full-size washer and dryer and a self-cleaning oven and an ice maker and built-in laundry hampers and stuff like that, uh, they're really easy to sell to people. And then when you go from a property like that to one that has a dishwasher, <laughs> I remember one leasing agent saying it was kind of a shock to realize that when you were talking about uh, features and, and benefits of a property, you had to point out that, well, you have a bush outside your front door. <laughs> kind of you lose a little bit. Uh, most people would probably rather have a washer and dryer in the unit rather than a bush outside their front door. But uh, people would get, leasing agents in particular, would get very attached sometimes to the properties that they were on. And they would get attached to residents as well. And we wanted people to feel uh, empowered to take care of the property. If they saw something that they felt needed to be done, we wanted them to do it. And we recognized that we were dealing with people, uh, our customers, this was their home, which is a pretty sensitive area for most people. And we really took great strides to make sure that we were doing everything we possibly could to make them happy, uh, 
and provide them with a home that they'd be proud of. And when people would, when the leasing agents would get moved from one property to another, it not only is a change in their work environment, but they lose contact with some of the residents who might have come in every day to say hello or bring them cookies or whatever. And it was kind of like culture shock. Going from a fancy new property to an old one was uh, a big change in your work environment. We had a marketing director who was, I will say, a very unique person. She was very outgoing, very up, very energetic, somewhat animated in a good way. She was a good person. She was a lot of fun to be around. And she's actually the reason that I got my job with that company because I had uh, years earlier been a resident at one of the properties that she was the uh, on-site manager of that property at the time. And I had leased from her. And so she knew me and recognized my name and uh, the apartment that I rented from her, I only lived in it for a couple of months because the building next door caught on fire and burned to the ground. Uh, don't barbecue on a wood balcony, folks. <laughs> it's, uh, the two don't always go well together. The building I was in was uh, not, didn't burn to the ground, but it did have smoke and water damage, and there was some damage to the roof where it was closest to the building that burned, and I think uh, it damaged the electrical wiring up in the attic of the building because they had to turn the power off, which meant everybody in that building had to move uh, and I probably wouldn't have wanted to stay anyway because the smoke was, you could barely breathe. And, uh, I remember the sheetrock ceiling in my kitchen was beginning to sag because of water. So I had to move and, uh, moved into in, a, uh, another apartment on that property until my lease was up. I just had a six month lease and I think I had three months left on it at the time. And at the end of the lease, I moved to a brand new property to move into a brand new apartment, but it was the same company, developer and management company. But uh, a friend of mine was a leasing agent for this company and uh, suggested that I should look at uh, getting a job with this company because uh, they really loved working there and they said you're working in an environment where most people spend their leisure time so it's really nice and when I went in the marketing director was not in the office but the receptionist said she would make sure that uh, she saw my application and before I got home from filling out the application there was a message on my answering machine asking if I was the same person that used to live at such and such property and uh, to please give her a call. And sure enough, she remembered me. But she wanted to have a meeting with uh, management and assistant managers and leasing agents to address this culture shock that uh, was happening because we were uh, growing pretty quickly and we were hiring a lot of new people and we were shuffling some people around and I guess there were a few people who got pretty upset about the uh, changes and she handed out a copy that she had run off and I think it was out of Reader's Digest. This would have been at some point in the mid 80s, I believe. And it was an article about making a friend of change. And I think that was the title of the article. I've looked online to see if I could find it and I haven't been able to find anything about it. 
But the article dealt with, to the best of my recollection, uh, an older woman who had been a mom and a wife and now found herself alone. I think her kids had grown up and had married and moved away. And I believe her husband had died, I think. And she was very depressed and, and lonely and felt like uh, her life had changed so drastically that she uh, wasn't in control of it any longer. And she really hated the changes that had happened through no fault of her own. And I don't remember if a friend of hers suggested this or she decided herself to go out and make change in her life and see if she could make it better. And the point of the article was change is going to happen no matter what. There's nothing we can do about it. And if it's not for the better, make more changes happen so that uh, you have the opportunity to have a better life or undo the changes that you don't like and basically make a friend of change. And in the article, if I remember correctly, this woman went out and I think she volunteered for something or maybe several things. And before long, she realized that her life was very full and she was happy because she felt like she was needed, which she was. And she was doing something that was helping other people and that lifted her spirits. And she knew that she was appreciated by others. And she realized that change didn't have to be bad, that it could be good. And uh, if it started off bad, make more changes happen and uh, force them to be good ones. And since so many people seem to be on the edge right now, very uh, angry, very um, frightened because of all of the changes that we're seeing, I thought that I would uh, do a quick podcast about that. And uh, one of the things that occurred to me while I was thinking about this was Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg commented uh, a few years back that uh, the United States, uh, I think she said that uh, is, is not experiencing the best of times but the pendulum will, spank, will swing back. And I think that's very true. And my experience has been that the further the pendulum swings in one direction, when it does come back, it comes back with more force. And that often will offset the motion of the previous swing of the pendulum. Today we are seeing one of the two major political parties in this country go off the deep end. And I really don't think that there's any other way to describe what is going on with the conservative, that's their term, uh, with the conservative Republican Party. In fact, there's nothing conservative about that group today. There's absolutely nothing conservative about them. And the Republican Party that used to exist is dead. It's gone. It does not exist anymore. It has now become a cult. And it is the Trump Party. And I, even, I hate even saying that name. But what they are doing is aggressive and it is far-right, extreme, 
to the point where I think they may have just gone too far. The last time I did a podcast back in June, the big news at that point was Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court overturning their own decision, which is very unusual. And that is certainly bad enough. But when you force women to carry a pregnancy to full term without any consideration for how that pregnancy occurred, for instance, rape or incest, no consideration for the age of the female, in one case recently a 10-year-old girl was raped, and the state that she lived in, she couldn't get an abortion. So she had to go to another state, and now they are trying to make that out to be a crime. Can a 10-year-old girl even give birth to a healthy baby? I guess it's possible if she got pregnant, but I know that uh, women's bodies go through a lot of changes during pregnancy, and there's a lot of emotional changes that have to occur as well. Is a 10-year-old girl prepared to deal with that? I mean, seriously, what a nightmare. And to have that pregnancy be the result of a violent act of hatred it just it's beyond me that anybody would expect her to deal with nine months of pregnancy and then giving birth. I can't imagine the horrors and the mental uh, problems that something like that would cause. In another case, a 16-year-old girl got pregnant and wanted to have an abortion and ended up having to go to court. And the judge said that she was not mature enough to make that decision, to have an abortion. But apparently, she's mature enough to have a baby and raise it for 19 years or 18 years. Is that not insanity? Makes no sense at all. No consideration in many cases for the woman's health. There have been so many nightmare, horrific stories of women who have had to suffer and uh, have their lives put in danger because of a pregnancy that they cannot deal with. One woman uh, needed to get an abortion because the embryo or the fetus or whatever didn't have a head. The cranial part <laughs> didn't develop. And she couldn't get an abortion where she lived. There was no way that that life would have been viable. Her doctor told her, you are basically carrying this, you know, <laughs> this entity so that you can bury it. When it's born, they said, you know, it wouldn't even last a week. There have been reports of women who have had their uh, fetuses or embryos or whatever die. But because the doctors think they hear a heartbeat... 
it can't be aborted, even though it's basically dead. If I recall correctly, they said that the nervous system, while it is developing, can make noises that sound like a heartbeat, but there's actually no heart at that point in the stage of development. There's no heart. There's no muscle there. It's the nervous system, I guess, has to develop before the organs. I'm not sure how that works, but they said it was not a heartbeat that they were hearing and that the woman, uh, their lives are put in danger because this is something that's basically uh, an infection now that uh, could cause them to lose their lives. This is just barbaric. It's inhumane to put people through this, mentally and physically. And this is the party that says they're pro-life. What do they consider these women who are pregnant? Is that, are they, are they not lives? Where does the pro-life come in when it's a pregnant woman with a dead fetus inside of her or a fetus without a head? Where does the pro-life come in there? You got me because I don't see it. Don't see it at all. And despite the fact that polling before this case was uh, taken by the Supreme Court for consideration, polling in the United States showed that the vast majority of Americans wanted abortions to be legal. And there have always been restrictions on abortions. I have heard Republicans in Congress say that babies are getting aborted right before they're born or right after they're born, which is nonsense. If a baby is aborted that close to birth, it is because it's not going to live or it is going to kill the mother in the process, period. And I really have to wonder what is wrong with people when they hear an elected representative or senator say something like that and believe it. Unreal. Unreal. The result since uh, we last spoke is a lot of people have had their eyes opened and they don't like what they are seeing. Women especially those under the age of 25, a group that sometimes doesn't always get out and vote in the numbers that they should, is engaged now. Dads who have daughters are engaged because they want their daughters to have health care choices. So there's a lot of people now who are engaged and will be voting and the latest polling numbers are showing that the Democrats who have been listed as likely to lose a lot of seats in the House and in the Senate as well, which is typical for a uh, midterm election, usually when a first term president comes in, that uh, first election after that, uh, that party, whatever party the president uh, has, uh, is, is a member of, will lose seats in Congress. And let's face it, Joe Biden isn't particularly popular. He's too conservative for my tastes, but... Uh, I understand the reason why things aren't getting done, and it's not all his fault. And I recognize the fact that he inherited a huge mess when he took office. Joe Biden did not start his presidency by following 
a typical presidency, not at all. So I have to give him a little bit of leeway for that. But it looks like uh, the Democrats are polling better now than they have, and this has been mostly since the January 6th committee has uh, come out with all of their revelations, which there are more coming. And Roe v. Wade. And the news of what Republicans have planned if they take over Congress next year. They're going to undo the January 6th committee because they don't want to know what really happened on January the 6th. Why? Well, that's a great question. Why would the governmental body of a nation not be interested in getting the facts about an insurrection that probably involved members of Congress, hmm, yeah, as well as members of the administration all the way up to the president himself. Why would you not want to get all the facts and let the people know what happened? Because you need to cover it up because it looks bad. Because you are putting your party before the country. And I also think that that's why it's taking uh, the, the uh, Department of Justice so long to um, file any uh, charges. I think it has turned out to be just a huge, stinking mess. Deleted emails, deleted text messages, deleted communications from the Secret Service. What in the heck are they hiding? I don't know of any organization that doesn't have some sort of data retention policy, usually at least for a year. So to think that someone who works for the government could just delete stuff because they're going to get a new phone or whatever, no, I don't buy it. It's a cover-up. But you know, when you're looking at the president and multiple members of Congress on the right, after all, 45 did say that uh, his folks in Congress would take care of everything if uh, the folks in Georgia would just uh, throw out some of those votes so that, uh, you know, they could give him the, what, 11,000-something that he needed and his friends in Congress would take care of the rest. So they're involved. There's some Congress people that are involved. And I think that uh, all of that it just takes time. You've got to check, double check, triple check. You've got to do paperwork. You've got to talk to witnesses. You've got to get statements. It's just time consuming. And I think there are so many people involved that the press process is going to be a lengthy one. But it seems to me that they are getting close to the end where they're going to do something. For the first time ever in the history of the country, apparently a former president's home was searched under a legal search warrant by the FBI and apparently documents that were top, top, top secret that should have never been in the possession of a former president at his residence were seized by the FBI. And the stories that we've heard from this former president and his supporters and his minions have almost been comical. They 
I think they denied that they had him. I think 45's attorney sent a letter saying there is nothing here in 45's possession that's top secret. And when it was determined that uh, he did indeed have top secret things that he shouldn't have, a subpoena was issued and ignored. So a search warrant was issued and uh, carried out. And they're calling it a raid. <laughs> really? No. A legal search warrant issued by a judge is not a raid. And 45 and his folks have said that they have cooperated fully with the FBI. Well, they didn't respond to a subpoena, so that is not cooperating fully. And some of these documents that were in the basement or in a closet or whatever are so secret that they're at the very, very top of the classifi classified documents um, list. They're so secret that you can't even describe what they are. And it's my understanding that these documents have to be viewed in restricted areas. I think uh, I've heard it referred to as being in a skiff. And you have to have the very, very top uh, security clearance to see them. And when you view them, you have to go into a specified area, a room. No windows, uh, just a you know table or a desk and chair or two. You're locked into the room. There are, uh, I guess, FBI, Secret Service, guards, something outside. You cannot take in a camera. You can't take in your phone. You can't take anything in that would uh, allow you to take a picture or document anything. You can't take a purse if you're a woman or briefcase or anything like that. You're searched when you go in to make sure you don't have anything like that. And the documents are handed to you. You can make notes apparently while you are looking at the documents, but you cannot take the notes with you when you leave. They are destroyed. So for someone who has been the President of the United States to think that it's okay to take a document that restricted home with them and stick it in their basement? Uh-uh. No, no, no. No. Don't get it. And they have thrown the uh, espionage word around on the search warrant, so that's not good. That's, that's pretty bad. And I will just close with this. This is a thought that I have had for a long time, and others have mentioned it as well and think it's a possibility when 45 left office, he left owing a lot of money to people. He had some uh, bank loans coming due, huge amounts of money. His properties had been suffering because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. His hotels and resorts were not uh, being utilized as much because people were staying home. And so now we know that he's taken these documents with him and apparently among these documents was uh, some nuclear stuff. It's not known, last I heard, it's not known if it's our nuclear stuff or if it's somebody else's, but regardless, it's going to be worth money to someone, right? And then his son-in-law, after leaving office, Jared Kushner, also kind of sketchy, just like 45 and his family, goes over to Saudi Arabia 
and comes back home with $200 billion to start his own business. Even though the folks who evaluate that kind of thing for the prince or princes over in the Middle East said that uh, it was not a good idea to do that. They did it anyway. Why? What are they going to get in return? Or what did they get in return for that? Just a suspicion. I'm not accusing anybody of doing anything. I'm just saying I think it's highly suspicious. And if the Republicans take over the House next year, they're not going to look into any of this stuff. They're just going to drop it all. You know what they're going to look into? They're going to look into Hunter Biden. Well, Hunter Biden is not the president, nor does he work in the administration. So if he did something wrong, I think he ought to be investigated, and yeah, he ought to be prosecuted for it. I don't care if he is the president's son. Just the same way that I think Donald Jr. and Eric and Ivanka need to be investigated. And let's not forget, Jared and Ivanka were part of the 45 administration. And I think there's some suspicious stuff that went on. I don't know about you, but uh, I think democracy deserves a chance. We've got to get the money out of politics. The Supreme Court has made bad decisions in the past regarding money, saying that it's free speech. I have talked about this several times in previous podcasts. I think it is one of the very, very, very top issues in this country that we must address. We have got to get the money out of politics. Money is not free speech. It stifles free speech. And to allow those who have the most money to buy politicians should be illegal because it's bribery. It's bribery. And until we get the money out of politics, I don't think we're going to get much change in this country. And I'm ready for change. I don't like the change that I have seen recently. I don't like the change when an entire political party is willing to look the other way, with only a very few exceptions, when one of their own does something blatantly illegal. A blatant attack on the country and what it stands for. And they're willing to look the other way. And they make comments about violence. To the point where a lot of their supporters think that uh, violence is actually a legitimate response to getting what they want. Not voting, violence, guns. So, I am going to try to make a friend of change. I, I am like everybody else. I don't look at change as a good thing a lot of times. But I realize that if you don't have change, you're not going to get something better than what you've got. So I'm trying to remain open to change and hope that what's right, not the right, but what is correct, what is good, overcomes 
all of the bad and evil that we are seeing in this country right now. And it's time that we get the money out of politics and we return respect to the political arena, which doesn't seem to exist right now. And I've got to say, it's mostly on the right. And there's a lot of people that need to be held accountable this time for their actions so that in the future, when somebody is in a position to do something that they shouldn't do, they're going to look back and go, mm, better not do that because I don't want to spend the rest of my life in a federal penitentiary. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry that I skipped the entire month of July and most of August, but uh, I have had a lot <laughs> hit me during that time, and uh, I'm still trying to get back on my feet again. But uh, I am working on other podcasts, and I'm doing research, and I hope to be back um, this coming week with something. I'm not sure what, but with the way the news is going right now, there may be something completely different that uh, I want to talk about. So in the meantime, take care and uh, thank you for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you hopefully in a few days. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.